Alrighty, so we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 3 to get started. Oh, correction, Ephesians chapter 4, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Alright, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through us or and through all and in you all. But to each one of us was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Grace was given. Um, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivities captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Tonight, I'm going to talk about how to grow in the gift and the calling of God for your life. We've been talking a lot through the past months, and Pastor Gary and Pastor Paul have been really talking about how we are called all members of one body, working for one call, for one purpose. Tonight, that really resonated with me, and it's been on my heart for months to to dig into deep, how do we do that? What can I do to enable and to grow and walk in that calling? Um, because it just does not happen automatically. There are things that will try to stop us from walking in the fullness of, that God has for us. Um, so we're going to start out in the basics of this. Our gifts and our callings are as individual as each and every member. Each member is individual. It is unique. It's a lot like our fingerprints. I have a, an illustration here that I will see how it goes. I'm going to give my phone to Pastor Paul. This phone, we're going to represent the grace that God gave to me. It is what I am called to. I'm going to give it to you. If you put your fingerprint on here, it unlocks. It'll do it for me. My fingerprint should unlock that. <laughs> there we go. It unlocks. That is my grace and my call. But if Pastor Paul takes that, and he tries to step over where I'm supposed to be, he doesn't have the access because he's over somewhere where I was called to be. So each person in here is a member of the body. And each member is unique. Every member is important. Nothing is lesser than another. There is no favoritism with God. Each and every one of you are called. And just because you may not be up here speaking, the importance of your call does not differ just because you're not seen from the pulpit. So just as my fingerprint gave me access, it's the same with the things of God. My spiritual identity, who Christ came and he gave me a spirit that was made alive unto him. In that spirit is my identity. And in that identity gives me access unto all the things of God, my calling, all the blessings that he has provided for me are all in my identity in Christ Jesus. And in particular, God has things that he wants to do, but if people will not walk in the calling and in the things that he has for you, if I'm not using my gift the way I'm called, it's going to hinder how fast he can move on the earth. He's going to have to find somebody else if you won't move. If I will not step out and I won't use my gift, he'll find somebody else to have to do it. So it's so important, and every one of us is important, and every piece fits together. And you are a piece. Praise God. So we have a call. You have a call. Each and every person here, you are unique. You are specifically called to further his kingdom. 
Next, I'm going to get into what does the word say that we can do and learn on how to grow and develop in the calls which we have. We're going to open to um, Galatians 3.16. And in Galatians uh, 3.16, it's talking here about Jesus. And here it says, uh, Now to Abraham and his seed, the promise is made. He does not say, and two seeds, as of many, but as of one, and your seed, who is Jesus. Now Jesus was a seed sent from the Father to be planted on earth, to bear much fruit. What was that fruit that he came to bear? It was you. It was me. He was planted on the earth to retrieve that what was stolen from him. So when Jesus, which, when Jesus took his seed, which was his life, he put it to death. And when he put it to death, we are the fruit that came from it. Praise your father. And in that fruit, when he buried it and we came alive, in that he made us spiritually alive. And our spirit is made in his image, in his likeness. Just as he was a gift in an earthen vessel, he gave us a gift in this earthen vessel. My spirit man is a gift. It's a gift to edify. It is a gift to further his kingdom. So I don't, or here, let's start. um, Here I have a seed. I had an apple seed. I didn't have much at home. So I just, uh, I, I cut open an apple before I got here and pulled out the seed. This here is a seed. And for tonight, we're going to, this seed will represent who I am. There is an outer shell. There is an inner shell. And in, the, in that inner shell, there's the identity of a fruit. It is, uh, and in this, the fruit that it will bear, it all lies within this one little seed, which tonight will represent each and every one of you. This seed. I'll set it here and hopefully I don't lose it. So the believer's life is like a seed. God has put gifts and fruit inside every seed. There are different seeds. There's popcorn kernels. There's apple seeds. A variety of seeds and they all have different fruit. But the fruit from which we come is Christ. And inside of our fruit, inside of our seed is the fruit. And the fruit, The fruit inside of a seed always resembles the tree from which it came. So the fruit coming from my life should always resemble Jesus. It resembles Jesus, right? But he gave us a free will. He gave us this this seed and these gifts. And um, he gave it for us to completely do as we will. He will not force us to plant it anywhere specific. But if we will take this seed and plant it in him, put inside. He is the soil, right? If we will take it and we will give it to him, this is the journey of our spiritual growth and our calling that God has. Let's open up uh, to uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Yeah, so uh, John 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. My point 
So for this seed to grow, number one, it must abide. And abiding is the soil which we abide. It is the Father. It is the fellowship with him. We must abide in the soil and be planted in him. That is the beginning of the growth. First, we must know of the soil. We have heard of Jesus and we know and we've accepted him as our Lord. Now that we have done that, we have a purpose and a calling. If we abide in him, that is where this growth begins. So we abide. But um, there's one thing that I see a lot, and I know anybody who's been around for any amount of time has seen a lot. When we, people are abiding, we go good for a while. <laughs> Some. But there comes a point in time where there's one thing especially that the enemy will come to try to take us out from abiding in that. And um, to talk about that, let's turn to Ephesians 4, chapter, or Ephesians 4, uh, verse 22 to 24. So in verse um, 22, this is the biggest thing that I think as all Christians we have to face. And this here starts in this verse, that you put off concerning your former conducts, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The number one tactic the enemy will make or use is our flesh. This is the thing, it's, um, the thing that he will come and try to pull us out because it does not feel good to walk the way that I need to walk my daily life in the Lord. It may not always feel right or good. So on this seed, in order for it to grow, there's an outer shell. This outer shell in this demonstration will be called the flesh. In order for this seed, what is inside it to come out, the outside must die. I must put to death the flesh in order for what is in me to grow. Let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15.36. I got a lot of scriptures, but um, I know you guys are up for it, so... Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. And this here uh, in yeah, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 36 was talking about Jesus. And in a way, it says here, um, actually, I'm going to read this actually from the, the Passion here. Um, it says, O foolish man, do you not know that what you sow in the ground does not germinate unless it dies? In order for this to germinate and grow, the outer part of it must die. Just uh, confirming what I said there by the word. Um, And this is the area where the biggest fight is. He does not want this flesh to be removed because by this flesh, he holds it in. If this flesh will not be removed and uh, set apart, the enemy will use this flesh to hold in what is inside. The enemy, a lot of times, he uses our flesh. That's his number one tactic is the flesh. If he can't get to you there, you're beyond him. You're beyond him. His flesh is the only fight that he has left. He comes with um, things like emotions, things like desires and the cares of this life. He tries to to sway us and to distract us because if he can distract us, we'll never go where we're supposed to go. Let's turn to, um, let's turn to Romans 8.13. So in Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that's exactly it. I, I have to put to death the deeds of the body. It's the one thing that 
He paid the price for everything, but there's one thing left. He gave my, for, me free will, and I have to choose to lay this down. I have to choose to take the seed and plant it in the ground so that the flesh is removed, so what is inside may come out. The cool thing about the outer, the outer shell, I did some research on it. It doesn't always just remove automatically. It breaks through little piece by piece, and it starts to branch out, and the seed comes out. And then over time and over process, the germinating process of it, this, the shell will follow it for a while. And it'll follow it until it, it comes up like this, until it removes. And then when it points up, it breaks off. When it points up, it breaks off the flesh. So there's a, it comes to a point in our life, and some believers, we never get past this, but by the word, we can, we can break through this. If we will get into the word, the flesh follows for a while, but there comes to a point where it will break off. We put to death those things, and it's my job to put to death, right? Praise the Lord. So I had this quote, and uh, it just always has struck with me. It says, we must not let needs, desires, or distractions dominate my destiny. There are distractions, there are desires of this world that looks great, but in time, you look back, and it's been five years, and nothing's changed. I was following that desire. There was a distraction over here. I was watching this. But at the end of the day, I'm no closer to my destiny. I have become no closer to being like my Lord. So it's, that's the thing, casting off these things, these weights, these chains, the things of this world, the cares of life. I cast these things off, looking unto Jesus. And in doing that, it will not dominate my destiny, but I have my eyes fixed on the Lord. I don't, I don't be as one that beats the air. I'm not beating the air, but I have my eyes fixed on him, right? So now we know a few things that the enemy tries to use to knock us off course, the flesh to keep us unfruitful. Um, now I'm going to talk about a few things that, that help us grow and um, speed these things up. How do we get this call? And we can walk in it and operate it as fast and as much as we want. It's not, um, we're not waiting on God like, oh, when are you going to call me? No, you've been called. What can I do to develop my call? What can I do to water the seed? Right? So um, let's open up to, uh, I think we're already, no, we are not in curse. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, 3.11. You guys let me know when you're there. All right. So uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the word. These are the roots, the word. If I am not based on this word, I have no roots. This seed will go into the ground. And if the roots never go down in deep, I will not stay planted. It, I cannot last. I will not make it. When I grow a little bit, if I'm not rooted, I will fall. Right? So scripture is my root. It is my foundation on, the, on which everything I believe is based. My roots. The word of God. Um, let's go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. I'm also going to read this one from the Passion. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instructions and corrections, giving you strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Praise the Lord. 
The word will equip us unto every good work. It's the word. Is my foundation. So the word, the word are the roots of this seed. Next, we're going on to the second part, which um, will begin in Jude 1. Of course, there's only one chapter in Jude, but uh, Jude one twenty. So here's the second thing that we can do. And, and there are more, but these, I'm giving three tonight that will, will grow in your call, that will propel you into what God has for you. Number two is here in Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The number two step here I have is praying. Um, praying does a few things. It, um, I have written down here, it prunes and prepares us. By the, praying in the Holy Spirit, it is what the Holy Spirit uses to purge out the things. It purges the weeds around me, trying to stop me from growing. It, um, it Prayer takes me higher in the things that would bring me down once before. If I stay in prayer in the Holy Spirit, the things around me, that are the weeds that are trying to bring me down, will be uprooted. I also have a verse here in Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but if you want to, you can. Um, it says, likewise, the Spirit in our weaknesses, or the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of Christ, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And praying also, it makes intercession according to the will of God. I may not necessarily at this time know my call, but if I'll stay in prayer and in the word of God, he will bring my call to me. He will, he will show me that seed that is inside. It will become more evident the more I pray in the Holy Spirit. I have a quote here um, by Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, I read his book earlier this year. It's called Why Revival Tarries. And he had this quote here, and it really, not that it's for anybody here, but it's, it's for all of us, but it really struck home with me. It says, the pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying, and no man is greater than his prayer life. And how true is that? The more you get into prayer, the more I can propel myself. If I'm not praying, it says, yeah, the people who are not praying were straying. And um, this here, it brings us all back to abiding in him, right? This prayer and this word, it's abiding in him. Yeah, and the third key that I had was, it was worship. Um, worship is the third key that it gives me fellowship with the Father. I can commune on his level for my spirit has fellowship with him. And it says in, in Ephesians, or I believe it's Ephesians, But, um, no, sorry, it's uh, John chapter 4. It says, um, uh, yes, but yeah, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. For now that I am made in his image and his likeness, I have a spirit. And my spirit is what can fellowship with him. And this spirit is what, what pleases him. It says there was no time before this that it ever pleased him the way it does now. My spirit has fellowship with him. I'm reconnected for the price that Jesus paid. Yeah, and this, uh, this brings us all back to the word, worship, and prayer. It brings us all back to abiding in him. These are things that we, abiding, it sounds nice, but like, how do I abide? 
And yes, it says abide in him and your word abide in me. But how do we abide? By staying in the word, by worshiping him, by keeping in prayer. These are three main ways we abide in him. Let's um, turn to 1 John 2 real quick. Yeah, 1 John um, yeah, 2, 5 and 6. He said, but whosoever keeps his words, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. For he who abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. By his word, I abide in him. Um, the world does not need any more definition of the gospel. The word needs more demonstration of the gospel. And that here flows out of this verse here. He who abides in me ought himself to walk as he walked. I can walk as Jesus walked if I abide in him and by these three things, prayer, worship, and the word. I would no longer have to talk about God. Oh, I heard this about God. Oh, it says you can discuss this all you want, but until you abide in him and know him, it means very little. Until I abide in him, I can discuss, I can bring up different definitions of the word, but until I know him and his word comes alive to me by abiding. By abiding in him, I then become the living demonstration of the father. I walk on this earth as Jesus walked. It says in, um, in John, the glory that Jesus had, I give given unto you. By how do we obtain this glory? It's given to us. How do we walk into the glory? It's by abiding in the Father. Um, we're going to stay in, in 1 John 3 here, or 1 John, and we're kind of going to go right through it and work our way up to the end of it. Um, we're in 1 John 2, 5, and 6. Next, we're going to go to 1 John 3, 5 to 9. And um, really what I'm going to be bringing out of 1 John here, the whole book, if you, if you read through it, abide. Abide, abide, every verse, like, you don't go six or seven verses without the word abide in him, in John, and even First John and Big John, the Gospel of John. Um, his heart was all about abiding. The Apostle John knew what it was to abide under the Father. So in First um, in John 3, 5, and 9, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in, in him, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever, sin. whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, that's not saying you might never miss it. But here it is saying, I'm not practicing sin. I'm not walking purposely in sin. Without abiding in him and without being born of God, I cannot withstand the flesh. Without abiding in him, I will not make it. I will not be able to not stumble. By abiding in him, this is how that thing I was talking about, the flesh, is how we overcome that. By this verse right here. Um, yes, and whoever is born of God does not sin. His seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. 
Therefore, I can say no to sin because he destroyed sin and the domination of it. Next, let's just scoot down just a little bit to 1 John 4, 4. So in 1 John, or 1 John 4, 4, you, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he than who is in the world. Us who abide will always overcome. If you're not overcoming, I dare to say you're not abiding. Because I, if I'm abiding in the Father, my circumstances may be here, but if I'm abiding, I'm looking at the Father. I then am rooted and grounded, and I grow above those things that were once here, these little weeds. They may overshadow me for a while, the flesh, the things to hold me back, but once the seed grows and the fruit inside becomes greater, I walk as my master walked. It is enough to be as my Lord. Those things around me no longer overshadowing me. The flesh, the things around me, they can't stop me from getting to where I'm going because I'm abiding, so I'm far beyond these things. So just that there again, verse four, for you are God's little children, you have overcome because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I abide in the greater. The last verse we're gonna read from 1 John tonight is um, 1 John 5 and 4. And... Um, this really just hits the abiding. It hits it right home right here. For whoever is, born of, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It is our faith. But you cannot have faith without fellowship. I can talk about, I can talk about somebody in this room that I may not know very well. I've heard about them. Um, but to have true faith in somebody I know my mother and my father, I've grown up with them. So I have great faith in them where I may not know Joey quite as well, though I do know him. I know them better. I have greater faith in them than I would necessarily have in you, even though I have faith in you. (laughs) But if it came to the wire and I had to pick, is this person going to come through me or is this person? The person who I've been around and had more fellowship with and have faith in that person, I will not doubt that person, right? So the more I abide in him, the stronger my faith will come. So here I have strong faith flows from fellowship. Without the fellowship, you will never have strong faith. You will have um, knowledge in the word, but until this knowledge becomes a living reality of my relationship, it is not strong. It's not rooted in the soil. So that's the most of what I have. I have a little bit more here. so I, I know I've heard a lot of people, because in, in my age group, there's a lot of people, I do not know my call. I don't know where I'm supposed to be or, or where I'm planted or supposed to go. Um, and in this time of not knowing your calling or where you belong in the body, there's three things, the things I have already talked about. Get into the word, keep in worship, keep in prayer, and abide in the Father. The more you get into the word and just grow your With a word, I'm rooted and grounded in the soil. With worship, I'm watering the seed. And by prayer, I'm removing anything around me that is going to try to take me off my course. So um, we're going to end over in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. And what I've been talking about tonight, this, this passage of verse right here, it just kind of talks about it all. It talks about it right from beginning to the end. And it just... uh. A very encouraging verse of what we can obtain too. 
So uh, we're going to go to 2 Peter 2, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We're going to start halfway through um, 2 Peter. Those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you by the knowledge of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his virtue. By which we have been given exceedingly and great precious promises. That through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, having escaped those lusts, the things of the flesh. We've escaped those in the, um, the corruption that is in the world, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance godliness, to, godly, to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Christ. For he, yeah, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if these things are yours, you will never stumble. So right there, I just want to bring one last part here. To make your call an election sure. I can make it sure by doing these things. I can have as much as him as I want by the word, by, the, by worship, and by prayer. I can walk into the fullness of God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.